hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back, boys and girls, children of all ages, however that goes. We are back with you, Bar Down Breakdown, a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. And guys, this is episode 75, kind of a little bit of a milestone for us. We've been doing this for 75 episodes, so I think that's pretty cool. Wouldn't you say so yourself, Michael? We're three quarters of the way there, almost to the big one oh oh. So we are the we are the uh, equivalent of like your grumpy grandpa who, uh, <laughs> you know, can't get his cell phone working. And because, you know, he, he turned it off or he, you know, put it in a dropped it in the toilet or something like that. So that's really what we are here. And uh, and I think that's great. But got a lot of awesome opportunities and memories, uh, you know, down the 75 episodes. And, you know, we'll hope to give you a bunch of other cool things coming in the. 75 and 175 and billion that we do so thanks for listening thanks for supporting us for 75 episodes today we've got a cool one uh it's especially cool for me we've got lou and rob from dr acula a uh pretty awesome um you know originally myspace era i guess we could call it hardcore band um they were super popular they did a lot of cool stuff with being really noisy, being really grindy, lots of breakdowns, and uh, they, you know, had a little bit of a career, went on hiatus, and uh, they're back now with us writing some music, but uh, obviously we'll get into their interview momentarily, but uh, when we talked to our the Dr. Acula guys, it was, uh, you know, about just five or six days ago, and we were pontificating about, uh, you know, the Rangers' chances in the playoffs, and here we are doing our intro and outro, and as it stands today, uh, the Rangers have been eliminated from contention. So um, sorry that it's a little dated there. We do apologize, but it's just kind of the nature of the beast with what we do. But let's talk playoff hockey. So obviously us as Islanders fans, we have the great fortune of telling you that we are past the qualifying round. We handily took care of the Florida Panthers. Uh, and great I think, things we saw. I yeah. think handily is the best best term to use because... Oh, yeah. You know, even though we lost the game, like really what it came down to, the game that we lost was Varley playing the puck behind the net outside of the trapezoid and getting a mm-hmm. two minute penalty like early on into the third period. And then yep. Florida quickly answered and scored on that power play. Yeah, and game, like game three was kind of a little bit poorly played from that respect. I mean, there were you know, some calls that went the Panthers way. I mean, you know, we're not going to sit here and, you know, bitch and complain about that, but the Islanders did take some bad penalties that game. And, uh, um, you know, it seemed to kind of, you know, take their stutter step away, but, you know, obviously game four, they came back with just a, a tremendous vengeance. And I mean, the 
offense was firing on all cylinders in the clinching game. The defense was looking as great as it was. Varley was on point. I mean, you can't ask for a better, better way to clinch a series. And if that is any indication of, you know, the fire that they're going to take into the next round, uh, it's, it's great to see it. You love to see it. Yeah. And, and then it's kind of like the way that the seat, the round robbing seating tournaments playing out Mm -hmm. the two teams right now that, are like kind of battling for spot three and four. I wasn't really expecting, you know, Boston and, and, and Washington are, yeah. are battling out for the three and four seed where yep. wouldn't think it, you know, it kind of stinks because that's pretty much like who we're going to have to play in the first round is either, either Boston or Washington, but I wouldn't have predicted that going in. Like, you know, you would, you would guess like, the flyers and tampa would have been battling out there but yeah you know like we've been saying it's a new season what happened during the regular season doesn't necessarily carry over um Mm -hmm. we we have seen a few teams go home already that is a little surprising and uh i for some reason man i watched three of the three out of the four coyotes and predators games (laughs) like i don't know why it just so happened that those games are always on when i was able to like put them on and 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 pay attention to them and man it's just so nice to to watch playoff hockey over the summer and you know the coyotes moving on and and the last two games they were rocking their kachina jerseys and it was just like so dope to see and like Michael Grabner scoring breakaway goals. It's like Man, when the hell right. when the hell did you learn how to finish? It it's it's definitely a new season and you know just one final note and and like something funny that came out of all of this was uh you know and we talked about it in the interview we talked about that clown Tony D'Angelo well someone on Twitter put together like just a, a compilation of all the times that he screwed up in that series or like got his face punched in and yeah. like played it to the titanic song and (laughs) like the it's just such a perfect edit that like at every like you know high point in the song there's like something dramatic happening to tony d'angelo and it was just so amazing to see i love it i I really love to see it and then um another meme that's kind of making its way around is uh jgp trying to make boyle flinch oh that was great (laughs) <laughs> it's just like it's unbelievable to think that JGP is what maybe five eight, eight? five nine. Boyle's like what six four six five, just a humongous man. And JGP is like, what? Do something like you know, like but did the total eighth grade move like yo? You throw the first punch, bro. <laughs> but I love the fire. I mean, it makes it makes it so much fun to watch the Islanders. Uh, obviously, you know we say it all the time. We're not an Islanders podcast, but. You know, with the Islanders playing the way they are, it gives me a lot of hope for, for these playoffs. So I'm very, very excited for what's to come. So um, playoff hockey, awesome in stride, really digging it. And I hope you guys dig this interview that we got coming up. So Lou and Rob from Dr. Acula. Lou, I've uh, played in bands with him. Uh, he is a tremendously fantastic guitar player, great vocalist, a great mind for writing music. Uh, Rob is awesome. Uh, I mean, they're, they're both great guys. And getting to chat with them a little bit about... Uh, Rangers hockey, playoff hockey in general, uh, the state of hockey. It's all good stuff, and I really do hope you enjoy it. And back on the other side, we'll, we'll kind of touch on a couple of other things. But for now, I hope you enjoy our interview with Lou and Rob from Dr. Acula. 
going on man far down breakdown mikey and tom we're back episode 75 so as old as some of your grandparents out there we've got a very special treat on the show we've got rob and lou from the ever so infamous long island whatever you call it party band dr acula we're super stoked to have you guys on man what's going on what's happening what's up guys what's up tom Dude, it's uh, it's great to be chatting with you guys. Obviously, like you know, the cat's out of the bag. It's you know, I've been friends with Rob and Lou for for a while now. Uh, you know, I've played in in bands with Lou, a couple bands with Lou. Um, you know, so very good friends with you guys. But it's kind of cool getting to chat with you this way because, you know, as many times as I've seen Doctor Acula and as much as I've listened to you guys, like I don't really know. The etymology. So I'm kind of interested to talk to you guys about that. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, uh, let's talk a, a little bit about you know what the Europeans would call uh, the friendly last night. What do we think? <laughs> what what are we what are what are we feeling? Obviously, obviously, you know we're we're just kind of cracking our our knuckles and getting back into it. But uh, what are we thinking of our squads? Yeah, I mean it was. Uh... I guess it was friendly. Brendan Lemieux and Johnny Boychuk might think a little differently, but you know that was uh, that was that was a friendly match. It was cool. I mean, it, the Rangers came out and they they were pretty exciting. And then after a while, I just felt like they were kind of coasting. But I mean, both teams look good. The uh, the Rangers definitely got um, kind of a, a new defensive outlook, I guess. Now that they got rid of Lindy Ruff and they got the uh, the new coach in there, so the PK looks good. I mean, they killed off that early five on three. That looked really good. Uh, last night you mentioned that Boychuk and Lemieux had a little bit of a tilt and I was talking with a friend and he was like, yeah, the, the fight was pretty fair, but Lemieux definitely won the hair battle. So oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was kind of funny to see Boychuk. who's like probably getting close to like late thirties, maybe even early forties at this point, like going head to toe with a, a young buck and, Man, yeah, Lemieux's hair is flowing as he's throwing pun- punches, and you just see Boychuk's like receding hairline. <laughs> it was kind of sad to watch. Yeah, yeah they, they, they were having fun. Went, he just went straight dad strength on that one. You could tell the outrage. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good game, though. I, I I definitely enjoyed it. I like the presentation that the uh, the NHL is doing for this tournament. It should be very cool. And I know they still haven't shown us like all the graphics and the camera angles that they plan on doing. So it was a fun one. It was, it was a Ranger Islander game. Everyone's trying to get their legs, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. 
one thing I did like is, uh, like you mentioned, those camera angles and the fact that there's no fans in the arena does open up possibilities for like cooler angles that you wouldn't see necessarily. Like I know that a lot of like those overhead camera angles, like you see them during the winter classic and such, because there's not fans like right against the boards. So you are seeing some of those camera angles, which I I think is enhancing the game. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's very cool. Um, You know, you can put a camera anywhere if there's no one in the building. So exactly. Yeah. I, I do wish that, the NHL would do what baseball is doing. So I don't know if you saw, but the other day the Phillies had an afternoon game and like the Philly fanatic was like doing his normal game day routine. Did you guys catch that? No, that's great though. Yeah. So, that just reminds me of it's always sunny. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it was just so funny to, to have like, you know, a little bit of humor in this like weird time right now where, yeah, there's no fans in these games, but like seeing the Philly fanatic trying to get like a high five from a cardboard cutout, it was it right, was pretty yeah. funny. That's that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to see like some some more of that, you know, some more playfulness. I mean, but see, it, it's a tough thing because with with obviously what we got going on in the NHL, I mean, we got these like couple of the exhibition games, and then we're going right into like like really impactful shit that matters. So I feel like there's almost not a lot of time for these guys to kind of goof around, which I guess is a little bit of a bummer because like when you give hockey players some of that levity to do that, like their personalities come through. And I mean, you know, some of them are just, you know, bricks on a wall or like, you know, I don't know what you'd call people that are super boring, but some of these guys, you know, I mean, like once you give like Ovi, you know, time to shine, I mean, like the dude is like the best guy in professional sports. So I kind of wish that there was more of that, but I kind of understand with the NHL. I mean, you're, you're jumping right into these best of five series and the round robins to determine seating and all that stuff. So it's like right down to business for all these guys, man. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's definitely no joke. Like there's, there's not a lot of time. And like, I thought it was cool that they gave the, uh, the teams the opportunity to dress an extra uh, forward and an extra defenseman too, just so they have that little bit of extra, you know, they, they got some more play in the lineup so they can kind of like jumble their, their pairings a little bit and their lines and try to find the right guy that works. But yeah, man, I mean, it's crunch time right off the bat. So it's it's definitely a crazy like new element that's unique to this year. There's one one exhibition game, right? And that's it. That's it. So yeah. far, yeah, for the Rangers and the Islanders. Yeah, sure. And and it kind of, and it's kind of crazy to to talk about too. We've talked about it on some you know a couple of episodes before too, and kind of pontificated about it. But the whole idea of you know these best of five series, you know the teams that that end up losing, I mean are are still you have this opportunity in the draft lottery to to get Lafreniere, and it's just like we kind of talked about it, and and we we sort of put it to bed, but now we kind of bring it up again. But like what's the possibility that like some of these teams just like come out, you know, with, with the thought in mind that like, well, it'd be nice to win, but if we don't like, does it really matter? So, you know, I kind of, I don't know. I mean, you don't, you don't think about that with hockey players ever because you, you always think about hockey players just, you know, the only thing they dream about is, is hoisting that cup up. And uh, I don't know though. I mean, you know, cause that guy could change a franchise. So. I don't know what you guys think. You know, do you think anyone could be coming out of the gate just looking to kind of put their tail between their legs and, you know, hope for a better tomorrow? 
I mean, what is it? It's twelve and a half percent chance to get Lafreniere when you yeah. you fell out of that round. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I could see it happening, especially for the teams that like really don't have a shot. I mean, obviously, I would never want to see the Rangers just you know go out, go you know down right away to just to increase their chances, especially because I feel like they've made so many good moves in the past couple of years and they are pretty much set up. Not like he wouldn't be an improvement, but I mean, also the fact that it's like, you know, Lundqvist's last shot, and I'd love to see them just put as, as good of a run together as they could, you know, especially. I, I agree. Now, you bring Lundqvist up. Do you think he's actually going to play a lot in these? Because, like, last night, it Shoskorskin, or how do you say his name, got the start? Shosturkin. Shosturkin. Yeah, just call him Igor. Igor. Okay. Yeah. So do you think Lundqvist is going to get into a lot of these games? I think they're going to start um... – Igor Shosturkin, I, I I believe so, and against Carolina too. I mean, we we were like what five and zero or four and zero against them for the season. So um, they're a great team, but um, I don't know. I I think Hank will get a couple starts, maybe. But if if uh, Shosturkin was playing how he did in the regular season, and he he looked okay, he was like fine tuning some stuff. But uh, I think he'll get the majority of the starts. I think in a pressure spot, you go to Hank, and I think they can now, given that they sort of have this almost like. There's, like, flashes of the Tortorella defensive philosophy. Like, they were blocking so many shots last night. And I feel like if they, they if they do that in front of Hank, they give him a much better chance than, you know, the defensive philosophy that they've been running with for the, the past few years. You know, if they could block shots and, and keep pucks from getting to him and give him a little bit of a break, then I think you can play him. But I, I don't know, man. It, it could really go either way. Yeah, it, it's all about finding that that hot goalie to ride throughout the playoffs. And, you know, Igor got you to this point, like towards the, you know, the end of, I guess you want to call it the regular season. So sometimes you just got to continue with the hot hand and hope, yeah, for, I think hope it carries over. I think he's the primary for sure. So if he gets into trouble, I don't know who comes in. If Georgie comes in or Hank, I would think Hank would come in if Igor gets in trouble, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's three, three goalies is a great problem to have. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the Islanders did roll a three goalie, <laughs> three like mediocre goalie system, and that was awful. So true. That was that was a, a bad experiment. Then that Gart Snow probably was trying on his on his way out. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah. So, um, what do you think about these Hurricanes? Because a lot of like national media overlook them like I, they just are like oh they're a bunch of jerks and like all oh, their you know storm surges and all that but they don't really focus on how young and skilled and fast the team is so do you think that this is going, going to be a tougher first round matchup than than a lot of people are anticipating i think so yeah i think so too i i think you got to uh you got to respect them, you know, especially because, like, camaraderie that they showed, you know, with the whole bunch of jerks thing. And, like, they're a team that can definitely make some noise. And I'm especially afraid of, like, you know, the what I see in the media now and, like, especially the way I see some Ranger fans talking, like, you know, oh, the Hurricanes are shook that they drew us. Like, yeah, we dominated them in the regular season, but, I mean, this, is, this isn't the regular season anymore. It's, it's, it's totally the, different. It's, it's, it's yeah. the playoffs, and then it's a totally different playoff atmosphere, so. Yeah. Um, it's going to be exciting. I, I think it'll go, you know, I don't yeah. say, any, say anything, but it's going to be a good one. 
No, it, it definitely is. I mean, I you know, I I was able to catch a little bit of the uh, the Carolina exhibition game against the Caps, and Mrazek didn't really look that good. I mean, like again, I get that it's an exhibition game, and I get that it's just literally getting people back on the ice to kind of get a feel for what they're doing. So I and it's hard. Like it's really hard to judge how this is all going to play out for the next you know seven eight weeks or however long it's going to be based on these exhibition games because I mean like. You know, the one thing like I didn't expect, like just watching a little bit of that of that Carolina Washington game was like, you know, like we're we're we were looking at like mid season form, like completely on fire, like Alex Ovechkin. And, you know, like I, I figured the guy was gonna plot out and just be like, eh, you know, what the fuck ever. But, you know, I guess a lot of guys are taking this a little bit more seriously, given that it's really their only opportunity to get any sort of, you know, real practice in before you know the dance starts so i think that's what makes this playoff series so exciting is it really is more than ever uh like anyone's ball game i mean it really is i mean you're actually talking about you know the thing that makes the playoffs exciting in general you know even when we're not dealing with you know this stoppage of play and starting again is that it really is you know an eight seed could beat a one seed like it's feasible in the nhl where maybe it's not in the nba or you know maybe it's not in the nfl uh, but now, because, I mean, everyone is coming off of three months rest, you know, we're getting fresh players, guys coming off of injuries, like, who the hell knows what happens? I mean, we were, you know, our last episode, we were talking to a Hawks fan, and it's like, you know, like, the Hawks, I mean, you got Kane and Taze, I mean, a healthy Kane, a healthy Taze, I mean, who the fuck knows what they're going to be able to do, you know? So it's just like, really an awesome time to be a hockey fan, because this is going to be unlike anything I think that hockey fans have ever seen. Yeah, it's definitely going to be, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting for the teams that, I mean, you just look at like the Rangers and the Islanders when the, when the season got paused, the Islanders were in free fall. Oh yeah. Rangers, the Rangers were pretty much all, but like dead in the water that, you know, you had Shesterkin and Buchnevich just got into that car accident. So they were out. Chris Carter just broke his foot. They were about to have to just try to make the playoff push like on Lundqvist back, missing a couple of their prime forwards. Like, you know, and now you got a healthy team. Now the Islanders are back and like, you know, they got that monkey off their back that, you know, all this time has passed. You know, mm-hmm. who knows? You got different teams now than you would have seen if the playoffs had happened, you know, as scheduled. Yeah. And the other crazy thing is like, you know, you look at a team like uh, like the Flyers. I mean, what the, when the season officially got got paused, the Flyers were on like an eight game streak or something. I mean, like they were like hotter than you could be. Yep. So, I mean, it's just like now all of a sudden, like, you know, the record books are going to show like a game winning streak pause. And then who knows, but it's just, you know, it's kind of hard to, to like ride that hot streak because that's what you, you end up having in the playoffs. You have all this momentum and it really carries over, you know? Right. So like if you squeak in as like an eight seed, right. But like, you know, the, the last 15 games of the season, like you went on a run to get to that eight seed. You've got a lot more, you know, in your engine than if, you know, right now you're limping in as like a, a an 11 or a 12 seed and like you've got nothing on your back. So that's like, I don't know, it's, it's going to be a really, uh, really interesting thing to see. Um, but I mean, I'm just stoked that, I, you know, I get to watch hockey, man. It's been been way too long of like, I don't know, watching like ESPN 8 the Ocho and watching fucking... <laughs> curling and like yeah. Kobayashi eating hot dogs. I don't know, dude. 
So, boys, you guys clearly know Tom and and you know have have some history, but I'm coming in, you know, I'm I'm learning on the fly and I could just tell I don't even know who's talking, but that is the most beautiful Long Island accent who was just <laughs> whoever was just talking and like I thought our friend Gary who came on had a, a nice strong Long Island accent. You guys are are doing us proud. <laughs> uh you got two you got two Italians from Long Island in the chat. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> where where on Long Island are you guys from? I grew up in uh in Ronkonkoma and now I live in Bohemia, so pretty much middle of the island. Okay. Yeah, I was I was in Smithtown, now I'm out in Setauket, so not too far. All right, yeah. So I, I actually g- graduated high school with Tom, so I'm a Deer Park guy myself. Cool. But I'm here in, in North Carolina, and I, I've been away long enough that at least I believe that I've lost my Long Island accent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you didn't really pick up too much of a Southern accent, though. I have some friends that moved down south, and, like, now they, they got, like, the Southern drawl going on. I'm like, man, what the hell happened? It's been, like, six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Tom's already started saying y'all, and I just can't commit to that. That's just too much for me. You know what? You know what it comes from, man? I'll be honest with you. It comes from like getting jobs in sales. And it's like you have to like convince people that like you're actually like from Florida or else like they think you're like a braggadocious like piece of shit New Yorker. So like I have to start like putting y'all in there and like saying shit like, oh, who all is going to be there? And like, you know, like (laughs) crazy, crazy South stuff that like I've tried to not ever get into my lexicon but it's just like you know if it could help me make some money like i'll you know i'll say whatever whatever i need to say i don't care that's right man. dude i it's it's just it's crazy man it's it is super cool though that you know obviously me and mikey have gotten to kind of reconnect uh you know both being from long island you know moving down south and uh you know kind of getting to do this so uh it is super cool uh, and i'm super stoked like i said to have you guys on because you know you're you know, two of my good friends. So I want to transition the conversation, uh, to Acula a little bit. So, um, like I said, this is when I, <laughs> so Mikey, Mikey and I have very, very different, uh, like musical tastes. So like, just to give you like a little bit of backstory, like, you know, we've, we've had like a lot of like pop punky and like punk guests on, but we've had like, you know, our share of, you know, metal and hardcore guys. And Mikey is always like just a tiny bit behind the eight ball when it comes to super heavy music, just because like, it's not his deal. But the one thing I will say is that Mikey has like broadened his horizon. So we had Jesse from misery signals on, you know, Mikey was like, ah, I don't know know much about him, but like, you know, Mikey started this huge endeavor of making these awesome playlists that we have. And then like this got Mikey listening to like some heavier music. So you know, now all of a sudden, like Mikey's like, yeah, I don't misery signals like it's super heavy and like, you know, they're really techy and like they got all this shit going on. I'm like, look at you, man. Like, I'm <laughs> loving this. Like, love this new Mikey that's like not just listening to something corporate. Like, it's great. Fucking it. times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you fill me in on, uh, on like, you know, growing up on the Long Island or in the Long Island music scene, like, you know, since you guys are middle of the island, even to to us, like, out east on the island, like, what was it like playing shows out that way, or did you make your way more towards, like, the the Nassau County venues and even, like, the city venues, or did you find your place out there? 
we played like everywhere. I mean, right, Lou? I mean, yeah. I mean, like, not we, too much city stuff, but yeah, not too much in the city. We started our first show was at Village Pub South, which became Broadway, which is now AMH. Yep. Um, and that that was where we played a lot of our shows, and we played a couple of shows like down the block too at Ollie's, and when um. The Crazy Donkey was there. We played there a couple of times. Uh, as far as venues out east go, we didn't really play too much out east. We always kind of played more more towards Nassau. I mean, really, it was it was VP South most of the time when we played the show. <laughs> it was it was always VP South. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and like then the Center Ridge VFW. The Center Ridge VFW. Yeah, how could I forget that? Center Ridge VFW was huge. And basements, mostly basements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our listeners that aren't familiar with Long Island, like VP South is like it, it was probably like second fiddle to like the downtown, but it yeah. like structurally was such a weird venue because like you walk in and instantly you're in the bar and then there's like this wall that just like separates like the pit from the bar. And it was just like always such a pain, like for a sold out show to to maneuver inside that venue. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely still that same weird layout. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. For sure. They've, they've stuck with it, man. They they have. So um so let's you know what let's let's work forward and then backwards. So, you know, for, for those listeners who, who aren't familiar, you know, uh Dr. Acula, you know, kind of took a, a, a big long hiatus, let's call it. We broke up, uh, you know, went through a lot of iterations of members and then finally got back together. Uh, and obviously, you know, you guys are I, I, withstanding what's going on with COVID, of course. But I guess, would you guys say that, like, you're really an active band again? I mean, obviously, you know, you guys put out Egg Monsters from Mars. And I was assuming that you were guys were going to be putting out some more music. I don't know if, if the pandemic halted that. But you know, what was on the what is and what was on the horizon for you guys? Uh, so yeah, the pandemic kind of fucked everything up. We, we had some out of state gigs, uh, that we were getting ready to do that we didn't announce yet. And we're still not really going to say much cause we have no idea what's going on, but we're, we're going to try to get out of state to like little weekenders. Um, you know, like we've, we've been, we've been writing music pretty much this whole time. So there are still plans for, for new music. You know, it took a little bit for us to try to figure out where we wanted to go. You know, Egg Monsters kind of came about because we sort of, like, put this deadline on ourselves and we're just like, let's just write a Dr. Acula song and get it out there. You know, but uh, we're, we're trying to broaden our horizons a little bit with, with whatever we write next. So we're, we've, we've got a couple of things in the tank that we're working on. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still active as far as this goes. Just trying to make it work, yeah, but definitely writing music. Um, just trying to keep keep relevant, you know, in some way. Write write something new, and uh, yeah, just have some fun, you know. Sweet, yeah, and I mean, it's um, you know, it's uh, it's very, you know, it's interesting to talk about because obviously, you know, you guys are, you know, not only on the on the heavy spectrum, obviously, but like you know, you guys have this kind of you know chaotic mark to y'all. Where like, see, there's there's that y'all coming out, dude. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> y'all come back now 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 see dude i'm I, I might as well just like just give up like the last vestiges of new york that i have and just become a full-on like alligator killing floridian i think that's where i'm at these days but uh, dude so um so obviously you know 
you guys, I guess you really got your start. Like we're talking really back in like Oh five, Oh six, right. Is like where I guess the Genesis of the band started. Yeah. Yeah. Late Oh five. We started. Excellent. And then obviously, you know, you guys are playing around long Island, kind of doing your own thing. And then, um, I guess first record comes out. It's what? Oh seven. Right. Is that when, when slob comes out? Yeah, the, the full length. Yeah, I think it was maybe a little yeah. earlier. Yeah, it was like we had a demo that came out and then we re-recorded a lot of that demo for Slob. And then that demo got later on when we saw an uprising, they took Slob in that demo and they made Slobology out of it, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, the whole release. But uh, but yeah, we had that demo for a bit. And then I think Slob came out early 2007. Mm-hmm. So, got it. Yeah, so... You know, so on on that, obviously, and again, like, these are kind of questions that, like, I, I can't believe I've never really asked you guys these questions, like, being friends with you for so long, but I'm cool that I get to ask them. So, like, Dr. Acula, like, in terms of what you guys were kind of listening to and what was kind of shaping you guys writing the music that you were, like, what would you say were really your biggest influences in, in, in what you guys were creating? Because, I mean... It really was like, you know, when you think about mid, you know, mid 2000s, like kind of like grindcore and all that kind of stuff, like there were some similarities there for sure. But I mean, like you guys were also like writing these like big choruses and all this catchy shit. So like, how did you bring it together? Like what bits and pieces brought it together? Uh, I mean, like there was, there was so many different influences that came into it and, you know, everybody like kind of had like a different background, like. You know, Mike, our drummer, was, like, really, really into, like, you know, metal, speed metal, death metal, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I loved new metal at that time. You know, I was huge on, like, Slipknot and stuff like that, so I brought that in. And, like, you know, and then Rob and Rob were, like, pop-punk kids. So, you know, it was, it was like, a whole different mix of stuff that came to it. And yeah, I think you, you just you sort get, of that. You get, like, seven people in that room, and it's just, you know, everyone's different musical backgrounds just fucking mushed into one and uh you know it was a lot of different influence we were all into the heavy stuff and that was kind of like what was what was going on in the scene like you know it was all heavy shows uh every other weekend so we we just wanted to play something uh you know to, to kind of relate and get on these shows and it was just a you know a whole bunch of random uh riffs thrown together it was it was just we were just having fun at that point we were like 18 as well so yeah no yeah absolutely man i mean you guys were super young doing it and then um so when did you guys like start like obviously you know not getting to the to the victory stuff quite yet but um you know obviously below me comes out i guess that was through uprising but is that when you guys really started like getting in the van and like touring around or was it before that no we we definitely toured before that um because actually after slob is when i had left the band they re-recorded or they recorded um below me um without myself and mike the drummer so there was Mm -hmm. a a lineup change at that point but we, we toured we didn't do like a full us i never did a full us with them um but we we did tons of shows like we would go out for like a couple weeks at a time uh we did like all northeastern kind of stuff so uh a, a lot of different shows in like the northeast um and then they started taking it you know to the next level after that yeah we had done we had done like half a us in i want to say august of 2007 maybe july it was summer 2007 we did like half a us 
and then um, we did a full U.S. in October of that year. And that was all before Below Me came out. So before Below Me came out, we really had done the entire country already. So, you know, there's that perspective too. Now, you know, you guys were going out there doing, you know, full U.S. and pretty much doing all this stuff, you know, DIY, booking your own stuff. I mean, so, like, really, truly, like, what does that entail? You know, obviously for, you know, for, for listeners that are just like, damn, like, I, like, how the hell do you know how to get all the way across like the United States and where to book and how to do it? Like, how do you do it? Like, you know, how do you, especially in that age where, you know, like, I mean, everyone wasn't as connected as, as they are today. So how did you get out there and book everything? Was a lot of it done on the fly or, or did you have just good connections going around? How do you lean on that? And Bert did a lot of that, if I'm being honest. We also did have a lot of, we had messages coming in because, like, you know, we kind of, you know, the advent of Dr. Acula kind of came with the advent of MySpace and, like, oh, yeah, that sure. sort of really helped because, you know, I mean, like, then we were blowing up on MySpace and we had people shooting us messages and offering us shows and stuff like that. So we did kind of just, like, cobble these tours together, and the routing wasn't always great. You know, we'd, we'd catch ourselves driving, like, terrible drives overnight, but... Yeah, know. there was no Google Maps, too. I don't know how the fuck we got anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a GPS for a couple of weeks, and then, like, I was one of the only ones that could read a map in the van, I remember, and I would get, like, woken up trying to sleep because nobody <laughs> knew where we were. Like, that was stupid, but, you know. But, yeah, we did all that shit, like, for most of, you know, the... I guess the luxuries, if you can call it that, the touring bands have today, even. Yeah. It's funny. That's... I was I was just talking with Joe Acuti from Ice Nine Kills, and he used to book shows in New Hampshire. At, at, I think it was like Rocco's, he said. Yeah, was... Rocco's, man. I remember Rocco's. We played there a couple times. Yeah, and, he's, he, and I was like, oh, you know, have, have you, like, crossed paths with them? And he, he said, yeah, I, I used to book them when I booked shows at Rocco's. <laughs> Yeah, Manchester, New Hampshire, I think. Yep, yep, exactly. I remember that. That's funny. So, um, I know, like, the the harder metalcore, grindcore stuff is, like, really huge over in Europe. Have you guys, like, made your way over to Europe yet? No, we never got over there. It was kind of like every, every time, you know, first of all, we didn't have great label support as far as touring went. I mean, like, Uprising didn't really do much for us. Um. And then, like, I don't know what happened after they signed to Victory, because Victory was after my time in the band, too. Um, but, yeah, we just we never made it over there for one reason or another. We were supposed to go a couple of times, and, and things kept pulling through on us. So and I think the other issue was we never really had great European distro, I don't think. So bookers were, like, kind of wary to take a chance on us. You know, we had an internet presence and everything, but we didn't really have albums on the shelves in the stores. Yeah, I think Bill had said like one of the last things that they were really trying to push, or the label was trying to push, and they were tr- they were really trying to get out to Europe. Um, so yeah, shout out to Bill for keeping the band going for as long as he did. Yeah, shout out to all the other guys as well too. When they hear this, Rob and Mike and Bert. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I guess like you know, since you guys took a hiatus and like the music industry changed so much in that time, like now obviously streaming services are so huge and. You know, I'm sure on the band side, you must get some like analytical stuff. Is that correct? Like, do you get yeah. to see where your listeners are? And do you see like a bunch of like these European countries are streaming like a bunch of your stuff? 
I am such a nerd for that shit. Lou knows all the logistics, but I'm such a nerd when I hear all those fucking, like, oh, we get this many plays in fucking Zimbabwe or wherever it may be. <laughs> but, but, but Lou knows, like, some of the details on it. Yeah, yeah, there are there there are a few European countries that tied in. I know Germany is like one of the top ones. I think France it's it's pretty hot too. Last time I checked, Amsterdam has some, you know, uh, the Netherlands. You know, so it's uh, there, there are a few countries around there that that we get some pretty good uh, playtime in. Yeah, so now like if you guys are are thinking about like going at this full force, like obviously those would be the the countries you would target. I'm assuming yeah yeah that would be cool i mean if we can get some kind of support i don't know how we'd go about like booking ourselves some shows over there but it would be cool to go over there and play like you know one of those sweet festivals that they have you know yeah yeah absolutely shit out of ours like they got awesome festivals we gotta get out to zimbabwe (laughs) now are you are you guys definitely though are you guys homies with like the stray from the path guys um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know Drew. Never, never really been uh, been close with him. You know, we were never really kind of uh, around each other. Okay, with Drew, and then um, Dan, their old drummer, not their drummer now, but Dan Burke, who used to play drums with them. He actually sold me my house. He's a cool. He's a cool guy. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a small world. That's Long yeah. Island as it comes. Yeah. It, it's funny, like when you think about, like the the heavy Long Island bands that were really like really like prevalent around that time so i mean you think about like i guess what are we talking like like mid to late 2000 so like stray was like just kind of coming on well i shouldn't say that they were just kind of coming onto the scene but i mean when did villains come out in 2009 right i think it was like 08 09 yeah. yeah so i mean like they were just finding their footing even though they had those like couple of uh you know weird record records before that when drew wasn't in the band and then, yeah they were they were grindy too back then. yeah they were really grindy and then you yeah. have like I guess you had like a love for enemies, right? And I guess that was like sure. another one. You had Antarabe, right? I mean, yeah, you know, oh, I was, was gonna like... drop that because that's pretty much the only hardcore band I knew from Long <laughs> Island at that time. <laughs> I think I have a signed Shakedown Tonight CD from when I was like seventeen. <laughs> this is Hell was very big at that time. This too. is Hell, yeah, it was was big too. And uh, um, and then you know they were like th- those little like kind of like startup bands that like I remember seeing like all the time that like never ended up materializing. There's this band, and like uh, we've probably thrown around their name a million times, but they were like these like young kids, and they like sounded just like Hope's Fall, and they were so good. And I played with them at uh, Castle Golf. You remember that place, Castle yeah. Golf? Century. Uh, dude, I can't think of their name. Oh my god, this is bumming me out. They had like one of those names that was like really like kind of pompous, sort of like really artsy kind of stuff. Like they were trying to be Hope's Fall. And I even think their name might've been like from a Hope's Fall song. God damn it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It'll, it'll come to me probably long, long after we're, we're, we stop talking, but, but anyway, so like, it's kind of, it, it's, it's cool to like see how Long Island has really changed because like, you know, in that era, heavy music was so popular. Right. And it, it really was like, it was like, kind of what pervaded the scene and then now you know you've got a completely like a, like a paradigm shift like, like like yeah like don't get me wrong like you still got like you know incendiary who fucking rule but i mean like you've got like all of these like pop punk fans now i mean like yeah that's kind of like what's what's in now so you know you guys 
coming back, writing new music and stuff, I kind of feel like for Long Island, at least, it's like a, almost a breath of fresh air because it's you've had this like pop punk presence there for like so long for the past like seven or eight years. And now like given an opportunity for some heavy music to come back is a, uh, is a cool thing. Cause I mean, but Long Island's always been diverse. I mean, you know, we all know that, but it it's just cool to know that like, you know, heavy music is still, you know, kicking dicks out there, which is good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still wondering where you were going with that story about that young hopes fall band. <laughs> Dude, they were just this band. <laughs> that, 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 was, that story just ended nowhere. Well, because like I, I wanted to think of the name, and I couldn't oh, think so of it. So let's do it on air in the middle of an interview. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, listen, if it, you know, like, you know, th- this is how we operate, Mike, and you know this very much. Like, I get to, like, my limited amount of hockey talk that I can do, and then I start panicking, right? Because, like, <laughs> that's, just, that's just where I am. You know, like, I could sit here... And like talk about the one time that like the Rangers lost against the Kings. And like, I saw Jimmy Zafiro like cry on the floor of the wood shop for like 45 minutes. That was a really upsetting night. That was painful, man. That was definitely painful. Yeah. See, that would have been a way better story. See, look at the, the reaction we got. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to hang up. You know, I I didn't see that puck go in until like three years later when like I was like going through Reddit and like somebody like, you know, put a link to something that like gets purportedly to something else. And then I click the link and it's the king beating fucking Lundquist, like because we were sitting so close to the TV. And as soon as he kicked the rebound out and it was on the king stick, like both me and him just like dove for the TV and turned it off before the puck went in. So I never saw the end of that game. And it was like three years before I saw that. And it's it's funny because, you know, obviously being an Islander fan, it's like, you know, the, the rivalry is real and it's always going to be real. But like, holy shit, like, did I like did my heart break for you guys then? I mean, like, it, you know, like it's just it's, it's one thing when like, you know, we're playing each other in the regular season or even if we get to play each other in the playoffs, you know, like anytime, you know, the Islanders beat the Rangers, like, you know, it's 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 a win, you know, and the same thing for you guys. Anytime the Rangers beat the Islanders is a win. But like. You know, the Islanders being so far gone and you guys having that incredible run, you know, to get fucking beaten by like some like West Coast team. It's just like it just like it kind of burns me up inside. I, I don't know. I guess I I have a love for, for the Northeast uh, with the exception of fucking like Boston. But like it's just like. I don't know, man, it's just like part of me, even though like I. I really understand that like, you know, the LA Kings, you know, they have really nothing to do with Los Angeles other than the fact that that happens to be where they're parked and that's what their sweaters say. But you know, the whole team is made up of, you know, Canadians and Russians and Czechs and all this shit, but it's just like, still to me, like I always think about how like a Canadian franchise hasn't won the cup in like 26 years and like how egregious that is. But I guess like, is that really anything? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, and it's fun to needle people from Canada about that. Like, you know, it's your sport, but nobody's won the cup up there in however long it's been. Really, I think it, well, are the Canadians the last ones in 93? Or is there anybody so. else? Yeah. No, that's Not, it. There's the, the Canadian. I mean, a bunch of teams have got there. I mean, the Canucks were close, right? Canucks yeah, were close. Calgary was close. Calgary, the Senators one year, right? Uh, who the fuck else? Uh, well, yeah, the Senators it. beat the Rangers in the Eastern Conference final, right? No, they're gonna, they're gonna hang up if we keep, if you keep doing this. 
I don't think it was the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't. I, I remember yeah, like I Chris Neal was on that team still, and Zen and Kanopka. Oh, that fucking guy! I hate that guy. <laughs> oh, Chris Neal. <laughs> but yeah. to, to get all the way there, and then yeah, like you said, that run that we had, and the game yeah. sevens, and all this to get all the way there, and then crushed by this fucking this. And team that was that... also like, man, I mean, it was such a perfect run because like they trade Callahan at the trade deadline, they get Marty St. Louis, and everyone's yeah. like the fuck is going on right now and then like that was the year that they go down to the penguins three to one and then they came back and beat them in seven they beat the flyers i mean like that was awesome you beat both pennsylvania teams in the same go which was amazing and then you know they run over the canadians quite literally like you know chris Kreider killing carrie price and then fucking <laughs> more uh, than once yeah. i think and then they run into that Kings team that played, you know, 400 games. They they played, I think they played a seven-game series, that whole playoffs, and they were just, like, unstoppable. It was unbelievable. Yep. That was, that was a rough year, man. They really had a great story that year, and they just came up a little short. Now, I, I, I do want to ask about Tony D'Angelo. What do, you, what do you take about him? Like, what, what's your take on all his, like, political stuff that he's bringing into hockey? He needs to stop. It's it's stupid. I mean, if he if he keeps scoring goals and he's a good productive defenseman, I don't mind. But yeah, he he, he could probably shut up. <laughs> yeah, he he just needs to shut up. I, I think he, he's a good hockey player, but yeah, he just just keep it out of it, you know. Yeah, and I mean, ha- have your opinion, but you know, whatever. And has the team shut down his podcast yet, or is he still going with it? I don't know. I, like, I, I haven't listened to it to begin with. I don't really pay much attention. I mean, I don't even, like, follow him on Twitter or anything like that because it just seems like he just tries to make, you know, incendiary comments all the time when he's not talking about hockey. So I'm just like, you know, I don't even bother following him. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I know he was. He's definitely getting towards, like, you know, getting shit from the team about it. You know, I thought I've heard a thing or two about that. But, um, yeah, I don't know currently. And, and Long Island's a weird place. Like you would think that like Long Islanders wouldn't be down with him, but there's there's probably a good chunk of of Long Island that probably appreciates what he's doing. Oh no, Long Island's a very red place. Yeah, so, yeah, Long Island. Yeah, I think that more Long Islanders than not probably appreciate it. I mean, obviously the city's not, or or less so, but yeah, Long Island definitely uh, can get along with that kind of politics. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's a shame that, like, as all these protests were going on about, you know, racial injustice, and he's coming out and, like, talking about, like, this super red and conservative podcast. It's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta just know the time for it. And that now is not the time for that. Yeah, just yeah. be a, l- a little more mindful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so much of the stuff is dumb and grasping at straws, like so many things are. And I'm just like, man, like, come on. Like, just. Shut up. Just win us like, a cup. Just play the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you know, the, the, the wild thing about it is, um, you know, hockey was always one of those things that I never really thought was, was like a platform to be, to be divisive. You know, like I, I kind of always, you know, hockey is really that, it's, it's that fourth sport. Like, it, that's what it is. It's like, you know, it's not baseball. It's not basketball. It's not football. It's hockey. You know, so like, and like I used to find like a lot of like serenity in that just because it was, you know, it was just guys that all they cared about was was winning a championship, right? But like with all of this time off and like with like all of this 
just brutal race relations stuff coming out. Like, you know, even the stuff, you know, close to, close to us, you know, being Islander fans that, that Hosang was talking about, it's just like kind of woefully apparent that the NHL needs to do a little bit better when it comes to inclusivity. But, you know, at the same time, it's hard because like, you know, I, I like jumped on the Islanders Facebook to like, I don't know, comment on something. And like, Oh, that's your first mistake. (laughs) I can't think of how many people are just like, like, uh, like no black lives matter. Keep politics out of it. And it's like, I mean, that's any, whenever, whenever they do the talking about, whenever they do like, you know, even hockey is for everyone. And like, you know, they got the rainbow tape and stuff like that. There's always some idiot, like in the top of the comments, like, Oh, why can't you just play sports? There's always going to be people like that. And like, even with the sports now, there's some people that I, like, I know personally who are like, Oh, keep the politics out of it. The, you know, the BLM stuff on the, uh, you know, the, the logo with the MLB and then uh, on the court today with the basketball I was watching, I was just, just fucking be happy and watch sports and sports are back now. So like, whatever you know just let them let them them do what they want to do and move on like but and like you know you know what the funny thing is like could you imagine right so like we you know we we see all this shit and and i mean we we are talking two different spectrums but like could you imagine like someone going up to like greg from bad religion and being like bro just play music and keep politics out of it it's like bro that's like the whole fucking point like of, 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 of what i'm trying to do and right. it's like, you know, if if these guys who play professional sports like have a platform to say what they want to say, like granted, you know, I'm biased because like I, you know, I'm I'm not going to jive with any of the conservative shit. So, you know, the stuff that Tony D'Angelo is doing like you know, I don't love it, but at the same time like he's using his platform right to 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 say what he wants to say. And I don't think that you should have to shy away from that. Like, I don't like the whole idea of like, oh, you know, play sports, entertain me, like dance clown, like that bullshit. Like, bro, if right. you got a, if you got a microphone, you might as well use it. Cause right. What did, you know, what's the old adage? What did, uh, what did Adam Lazar say? What are mics for? <laughs> Singing, not swinging. Well, that's fucking right. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we need to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean like, and I should, and I should clarify, like, you know, I say, like, I wish he would shut up. But at the same time, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think he should, you know, just shut up and stick to sports. You know, I really, exactly. I wish he, I wish he would formulate some better thoughts. I wish he would be a little bit less pigheaded, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, I don't, I don't think I should say, I wish he would shut up. No, but, but like, I understand, I understand your sentiment. Cause like, you know, just the, just the, the candor of his conversations, it's just like, it's unbelievable to think that like someone could have those kinds of views, but at the same time, like I said, I mean, you know, he's using his platform to what he believes to be advantageous for him, whatever, but you know, don't, but also own it. Like, you know, if, if you're going to have those, those views when tens of thousands come back at you saying like, bro, like you're, you're an imbecile, like you got to be able to, you know, prepare to defend yourself on it, which, uh, you know, which, which I think that, you know, some of these guys tend to shy away from doing, but, um, you know, in all of it, I think that, you know, having hockey back is awesome. And whether we get people kneeling or standing, I just, I don't care because, you know, I get to watch hockey again. So that's right. what matters. You know, that's and what matters will, to me. I will say while we're here, I think that hockey's, you know, tribute to, or the nod to the the current social climate 
what they've been doing with the anthem is probably is probably my favorite thing. Oh yeah. Far. I mean, like just the image of having like, especially that they're rivalry games. Like you see these logos next to each other, and it's just yep. like you know, this is hatred. But yeah. they're standing together for the anthem, and they're standing so you know people can't cry foul and say they're disrespecting the country or anything like that. It's the great, it's the greater good, man. Fight yeah. for the greater good. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, I, I love what they're doing. I think the league's doing a great job. Um, yeah, like like Lou said, with the uh, with them all standing next to each other during both anthems, it's it's just a it's a cool sight. It's it's different and it's it's fun and exciting. So I'm glad it's back. Touche. So I guess Tom hinted at it. You know, you guys towards the end of your career, and I'm I'm totally flipping this totally 360. Were on victory records. Now there's. It's it's well documented, like you know, the relationships that bands had with Victory and and not getting paid the, their their worth, and you you don't have to come to me to hear it about it. But like being on Long Island, there was no shortage of Victory bands. Like, did you hear all those stories and were like, oh, you know, I I still want to just give it a shot. You know, it, it was towards the the late, you know. 2010 2011 so like maybe things were were better at that time or or tell me like what the whole process was going in and signing with victory at the end i think that when i mean by that point uh i was on my way out of the band anyway right before and it was really because things were going like really poorly with uprising for the same reason i mean we were just like we were definitely being lied to and, you know, we signed a bad contract because, you know, we were 19 year old kids and we just wanted to get touring support and shit like that. But, um, we, we were, we were pretty clearly like in, in like a death grip with uprising and it looked like the only out that we had, the only interest that there was, um, in another label at the time was victory. And that was pretty much when I left the bank. So I was like, honestly, like, you know, I had heard bad things about victory and I was like, if this is the only option is to like go to victory, then I don't really think that, uh, that things are going to get much better. So that was kind of like where I stepped away and a couple of us stepped away at that point. And then, you know, they got like a new guitarist, a new bassist and, and they kept rolling with victory. And at that point it was really just bill was the only original guy left and he kept it float for a while, man. And they did well with victory. Like even now, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that, people love like some of our biggest streamers are, are from the the slander album that they did with victory so you know i mean like i wouldn't say it was all it was all bad for them after they uh after they signed but um you know it's just i, I didn't want to continue pursuing it at that point gotcha yeah that meant that's that's valid all of what you you said and you know it's great that you guys did see some some success on victory and and it was able to get you out of a kind of toxic toxic relationship with another label so i guess it it in the end worked out okay for you guys yeah i would say so i mean you know we're all back together it's all of us original guys again i mean like i feel like we all needed to like kind of break and grow up because you know, I mean, a lot of the stuff that really led to us having all those lineup changes was just some petty bullshit anyway. You know what I mean? Like, and everybody just fighting and stuff like that, and not seeing eye to eye. And, you know, a lot of stuff that we, we are older and we can get through now just, you know, by having a civilized conversation. You know, so I really think that all of us kind of needed that time off. 
because we even got back together briefly in 2015. We played one reunion show to uh, close out our buddy's venue, the Wood Shop, and uh, that was even then. It was like it, it wasn't time because we got back together for this. You know that we got back together this time around for a couple of shows, and and this time it just kind of stuck. We were like, you know, let's just make some new music, and you know, why not? What else are we doing? Yeah. So yeah, like, when you when you go ahead, uh, sorry. I was just gonna say when you when you love music like that, and you were all you know doing that, and you kind of grew up like together and playing together, and you just like I'll, I'll take any opportunity to get back on a stage and play some music with my friends. So you know, uh, getting all back together again and just jamming, it kind of just like felt right you know what i mean just like just getting there and just like hanging out you know having a couple beers and fucking jamming and just playing whatever comes to mind and uh like just heavy stuff and right riffs was just like kind of flowed uh much more naturally than it than it had used to so it was good and and now that you guys are like vets at this point when it comes to like writing new music are are you like doing a lot of the recording stuff yourselves oh uh, egg monsters was kind of you know, a couple of our friends, Eamon and Jeremy, helped produce and uh, and record it, but uh, that was pretty much all us too, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, for the most part, it was, it was definitely more of a DIY thing this time around. Okay, yeah, and and you 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 notice that that's kind of the trend that a lot of you know bands who have been there, done that, been on the labels, like that. That's kind of the the path they head down, like you know you don't really rely so much on labels these days as you, you used to have to. Right. I mean, now you could, you know, basically publish yourself on Spotify for not that much money, you know, band camps out there and you could make a few bucks off of that and, and get music out there. You don't really need labels as, as much as you used to really what you need labels for is like, you know, touring, getting gigs and stuff like that. Like, you know, bigger ones. Yeah. But, but- um, it's the, it's the more expensive stuff, like the stuff that is really difficult. Because, I mean, you know, when you think back 10, 15 years ago, I mean, like, you know, having like, you know, the quote unquote home studio wasn't, you know, the the deal it wasn't really easy, you know. And not only that, but, you know, you really like to have something that sounds good and polished, like you really had to like spend money and, you know, go into like Sapone or like whoever you did on Long Island or like, you know, go go away or go across the country to like write a record. And then you'd end up being in debt unless you had like a label to back you up nowadays. I mean, like, you know, with a small setup, you know, all the stuff that you get with, you know, garage band and all this stuff and preamps and all of the sampling you could do. I mean, like realistically you can make yourself sound half decent and not spend a ton of money. But now a day is like, you know, your label is going to be the one that's pressing records for you. That's when merch for you, that's, routing your tours, it's booking your tours, it's doing your AR and all that stuff. So like labels are still kind of a necessity if you really want to like make money being a band. Like, you know, you want to like cut a salary, you know? Oh, but like yeah. Yeah. but if you want to just like get out there and play music and and sound good and like get some gigs, like it's just you don't you don't need that anymore. You know, you don't have to fucking play a battle of the bands every week to get on, you know, a show at the downtown. Like those days are gone, which is good. You know, it, it, it opens up the floodgates to a lot more people who wouldn't have been able to hack it, you know, back when we were young playing music because like the, the opportunities weren't as plentiful. But now you can just get out there, write some tunes, jump on a show. You don't have to pay to play and just like have that experience. And I think that's that's like the great thing about 
the music scene now is like it's not it's not as closed it's it's much more broad yeah and you see that now like you go on spotify and you'll check out a band you're like wow this band fucking rips and then you look and they have like you know 300 monthly listeners and it's like you know there's so many good small bands out there that aren't discovered because they're just like self-releasing stuff and, and just recording pretty good stuff and throwing it out on the internet you know i mean back in the day you could tell when a small band was small because the recording sounded like trash i mean you know, yeah. look at Dr. Acula's first record. Like, it sounded like trash, but <laughs> that was the thing. We didn't have label support. We funded it all ourselves, so, you know. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and speaking of monthly streams, like, before we started recording, I just checked you guys out, and, you know, all these years later, you guys are still killing it with the monthly streams. Like, does does that, like, just bring, like, a smile to your face and, like, give you the drive to keep going? I think I think that's part of what contributed to it, yeah. I mean, like, it was always kind of in the back of our heads, like, you know, once in a while, you know, when we would talk and, you know, I'd look at, you know, we would all look at Spotify or whatever and be like, we're still getting, like, 15,000 plays a month and we haven't done anything. I'm like, you know, the band hasn't done anything in, like, eight years. Like, it's just, it's crazy. I guess, you know, there's still some sort of uh, demand out there for Dr. Acula Music. So that definitely contributed to it, too. But- I think it's the the MySpace, like, nostalgia. Like, people just like going back. And, like, even myself, I'll go back and listen to, like, old pop-punk bands or old hardcore bands that we used to listen to. Um, but I think it's that, like, nostalgia thing. You know, people are like, oh, they're, they're playing music again. They put out a song again. And, like, we put out some merch, and we pretty much literally, like, it's all gone, which we were like, okay, well, there's, there's still some interest out there somewhere. Um, so why the fuck not? Like, we have fun doing it, so. Yeah, I love it, to hear it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the most important thing about it is is that you know you, you guys are enjoying doing it i mean look you know i you know all the time that you know we got to share you know me and lou playing in bands together was was fantastic you know obviously it's um you you really kind of like you got to take a step back and realize like how lucky you are to like have friends that uh um you know that are are talented and that you know are willing to kind of you know step into the into the ring with you as they say and like kind of do all this stuff so it's it's really cool it's humbling man and you know i I had a lot of fun doing it and i'm I'm glad to see that you guys are back doing it again and really hoping that uh you know obviously once uh the world is safe again you know see you guys pop up and new record and you know new tours and you know you guys can come down to florida and like stay with me and you know I, i got a new dog you can hang out with my dog she's in a biting phase right now it fucking sucks Dude. yeah you're really selling yourself yeah it's also hot as balls like what there's else is gators. terrible yeah there's gators the pizza yeah, but, isn't as good yeah but good luck trying to no find a good bagel good. but, but yeah I you mean, can stay with me for free listen <laughs> you know two hours north is you know is is aw rob so I mean, uh, you know what you said step into the ring and i was going to refrain from from saying anything wrestling related but i'd be remiss so man aw is just fucking killing it i'm, I'm Dude, enjoying it. i'm I, loving it it's great. We're um I mean we're we're making a full court press to try I mean I would love to get Andy on the no, show. No, you got it. Uh, you guys got to get him on. Like, yeah. Like I mean I I would imagine he's he's obviously he's got to be a Sabres fan, right? Like I mean Are you talking about the guy from Every Time I Die? Yeah, the guitar player okay. who's also uh a, a a professional wrestler. Yeah. I mean he's got to be a Sabres fan. Yeah, you guys got Hammer. Definitely. I mean you got to be able to work that angle and get Andy. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, you know, I mean, if that happens, it's, it's going to go off the rails because like, yeah, I'm not even, not I'm not even doing that one. I'm they, just going to be like, you know what, Tom, you, you have at it. <laughs> Dude, listen, um, last you know, question for you guys and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. Uh, but so, you know, pulling it back, if you both, uh, you know, each of you guys just, you know, I guess we'll do Rob first and then Lou, but just your most memorable rangers experience you know whether it was you know when you were a kid or you know in your adult life you know like what was the experience that you had you know being a rangers fan that kind of sticks with you the most after all these years uh if we're going meet we're going we're going me first yeah you, you can yeah. take it as well, yeah. Uh, yeah i mean i remember i mean my earliest rangers fandom I do remember very vaguely, I mean, I'm like eight years old at the time, but all my cousins and everybody got together and were watching the 94 Cup. Mm. Um, so I kind of vaguely remember that. And then after that, my uncle used to take me to games all the time. And I still remember the first time or the first time I could recall walking into the garden, like to our seats and, and like just, just the atmosphere. And I think like, if for some reason, this always sticks with me. It's fucking weird. I'll say it anyway. But the Creed higher song was just playing. <laughs> and well, like, it gets me pumped up too, bro. Dude, it got me pumped up when I'm like fucking 12 years old or however the fuck old I was when I first went to the garden. But my, my, my uncle used to take us to games when I was very young and just 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 that atmosphere, man. I mean, you, you know, I'm sure you guys have been to the garden for, for some games, but just, sure. just walking in there and then going to Ranger Islander games, at the Coliseum. I mean, all throughout my teenage years, that was that was the fucking the best, man. That was just the best time. Um, so just throughout the years, I would say not one particular, but, but going to those games when I was super young, really just, just drove it home. Cool. Uh, for me, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I could remember, I mean, I've been going to games since I was before I could really remember. I mean, like I know consciously the first game, I think I remember being at the Rangers played the Pens. This must have been like 93. I remember like Tony Amonti scored the game winning goal in overtime for the Rangers. And it was just like, you know, that was like, it was almost scary to me at the time, like how loud the garden got. Cause I was like such a little kid. Like I, I remember being like, you know, intimidated by that. But I mean, I mean, there's just been so many memories and stuff at the games. I don't know if I could pick one of the game. One of my favorite memories, I think, or probably my favorite memory ever being a Ranger fan was when I got to meet Mike Rector. I met him like, uh, in 2010, 2011. And that was just like the coolest thing ever. Cause he was such like a nice guy. And like, he talked to me and I was just geeking out like, dude, you were my favorite Ranger, like the save on Bore. And like, I'm just talking. <laughs> That's a good favorite Ranger to have. Or am like following that? And, he was just such a good dude, and he talked to me like I was just a regular guy, and he probably talked to me for like five, six minutes, you know, and he was just in the conversation with me, and uh, that, that was just, it was really cool to like be able to talk to him about all the memories that I had of him, you know, when I was such a little kid, so probably probably that's my fondest Ranger memory. Yeah, Excellent. If, if only one day I can meet Richard Park, and I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> all that's right, a, boys. That's just a funny, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe another day we'll talk about how. That's yeah, you can talk dirty... any day I... about me loving Richard Park. That's I fine. Doug Wait one. Well, dead weight. Doug Wait. No, <laughs> yeah, dead no, weight. Dead weight. <laughs> yeah, I met him at Comp USA. They did like a whole Islanders thing at, at one when I used to work there. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, he, th those were the dark days. Right. Very, very, very dark. But yo, guys, it, it's been 
such a pleasure getting to catch up with you and, uh, and, you know, have this time to chat with you, man. Uh, it's super cool. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to be on here. Um, you know, obviously we're all super excited. Um, I mean, the dream for me is, uh, cause obviously they're going to reseed every round. So we get past the Panthers, y'all get past the hurricanes. I mean, like let's meet and do the damn thing, you know? Yeah, we have we have to, man. That would be that glorious. Would be so wild. That would be really would be, man. I, I can't remember like, I, I didn't it happen in the, I guess like on your run to the cup, right? Didn't you guys beat the Islanders in a playoff series? Ninety four, they swept them. Yeah, yeah. They so like yeah. that, three games. You know, I was so young at that point that it, it was uh, like not like I don't really have many memories of of those games, and then we've never had that again in our lifetime. So like an Islanders Rangers playoff series would be unbelievable. I, I don't yeah, even know how I, I'd be able to contain myself. I feel like we need that. Yeah. That, that would be yeah, awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's not only, it's not only good for like for us, but I mean, like it's, it's just good for the sport of hockey. Like if we can, you know, if we could end up getting, you know, rivalry games in the playoffs where it like really means something, I mean, like who, you know, who wouldn't want to watch the Rangers and Islanders or, you know, like who wouldn't want to watch, uh, you know, fucking, I was going to say Boston, Boston, the Habs, but like, you know, fuck both of them. But like, you get what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, who wouldn't want to like have that as a part of the, like this kind of historic playoff. Like, it's like, we, you know, the, the better we can make it, uh, you know, the more hockey fans we're going to get. And I think that's the really important thing about this. I think hockey is going to come out of this, especially, you know, with the fact that they're, they're being cautious, they're being careful, they're doing a little bit better than they are, you know, in the MLB right now in terms of trying to, you know, limit the amount of exposure and cases that are happening. So if hockey comes out of this smelling like a bed of roses, man, like that's going to be the greatest thing because more exposure, more money means just more opportunities for us at fans as fans to enjoy this shit, man. So that's what I am hoping for. And I'm, of course I'm hoping that the Islanders win the cup, but you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe it will. I don't know. It's anybody's game, man. It certainly is, dude. It's anybody's game, but Boys, thank you again so much for for hanging with us. Um, really appreciate you guys. Uh, give my best to your fiancés and wives and dogs. And uh, you know, obviously, I'll eventually come see you guys and we'll we'll hang again. But I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us, dude. It's been a, a great great time. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you guys so much for having us on. Not a problem, man. We y'all y'all. There it is again for the tenth time. Y'all. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk soon, all right? You too, man. Be good. Thanks, guys. Be good, man.
Yeah, you know we're back. Two boys from Long Island talking <laughs> hockey. It's uh, you know, fucking great. And that uh, sums up our interview, man. Uh <laughs> It's uh, you know, Lou, he just he's got that that like Italian Long Island voice down to a T. I mean, and he's not your typical, you know, Italian Long Islander that everyone thinks of, you know, when you think of like, you know, Jersey Shore and biffed up haircuts and all that stupid shit. He couldn't be any more different, but his voice is just very much. Oh, dude, he, he needs to be at on a construction site like ASAP. <laughs> like, I have no idea what he does for a living, but that's what he needs to be doing. Oh, uh, you know, he's just Lou Dog, and, uh, and Rob's great. I failed to mention in the interview, but Rob has a French bulldog named Buddha, who is like the cutest dog ever. And uh, I should have talked to him about it because we could have had a whole other interview about their dogs. So shout out to Buddha and um, shout out to Max. That's Lou's dog. Chihuahua that was rescued from Jimmy Zafiro's woodshop. So, so you bring that woodshop up. So yeah. I never experienced a show there. And uh, man, I guess that must out. have been like the years I was living in Albany. Yeah, you were gone. You weren't there. Um, because it, it, it was only probably what, like a two or three year span. I want to say it was a three-year run, maybe, maybe four. Um, dude, the wood shop was a place where I spent a lot of time. Um, just to give you the backstory about it, so my good friend Jimmy uh, and his uh, his father owned a an actual, you know, cabinetry making place, a furniture making place in um, Copeg, kind of like the industrial portion of Copeg, and they had this <coughs> big empty room that they were never using. And, um, you know, Jim went to his dad and was like, hey, uh, you know, I have this idea to do like a, a show with a couple of bands here. You know, do you mind? And Jim's dad was like, you know, I guess that's not a problem, like as long as people don't break shit. And so uh, Jimmy made a little like small stage. I got a plywood just to kind of raise the bands up maybe, I don't know, three, four inches. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of shows. And then before you knew it, it kind of became like the big one of the bigger DIY venues in Long Island, uh, a lot in part to the fact that the guys in Iron Sheik uh, ended up playing there and loved it so much. And it ended up kind of being their spot to play on Long Island. And, you know, Iron Sheik is a very, very prominent and popular band. And from that, a lot of touring bands ended up coming through. And when they wanted to play, they wanted to play at the Woodshop, one of the coolest shows we did there, a uh, couple. But, you know, we had uh, Foxing played there. Uh, and, uh, I mean, they must've put 200, 250 people in that room. Uh, it was an insane show. Um, I know with the punches played there, Dikembe, uh, saves the day. We got to play there for like a secret show. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on, but it was such a cool thing. Uh, it was all inclusive. It was a, a good safe space for people. Um, everyone typically followed the rules. You know, it was just, Hey, don't break anything. Don't smoke inside. You know, people could drink there if they wanted to, but people were always safe and respectful, and it was a great thing. And we were sad to see it go, but, you know, I think Jim's dad ended up, uh, um, like, leasing a part of the shop or did something where we couldn't do it anymore. But, I mean, yeah, it was it was just a, an awesome time. It's a great venue. Uh, you know, Jimmy and really did a lot to put it together. And, uh, you know, we have him and his dad to thank for a lot of awesome memories. Now... I guess my question is, like, 
how were the cops not called on like every single show? Honestly, um, it was because people were respectful. Like they tried to corral people from um, like congregating outside. Um, people typically, again, when they were drinking, they were respectful. They were only drinking inside. If they were drinking outside, they were being discreet about it. They never really got too rowdy or made waves. And the building was insulated well enough where uh, the noise didn't bleed. I mean, the cops did get called occasionally, but um, honestly, it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, did they know, have to people, get like any special permits for that? Or they kind of just were I like, mean, I'm, I'm sure we should have. But no, <laughs> um, it was just like I said, it was kind of one of those things where they just did it until they couldn't do it anymore. And I mean, there was like a scare kind of in the middle there where I think the cops were called. Someone did something stupid, like someone like threw a bottle. So it's like all industrial areas. So it's like, you know, a lot of buildings kind of close together. But because it was really a nine to five kind of thing, if you did a show at six or seven, none of the other buildings around or businesses around would ever get disrupted. But I think someone did something stupid to the tune of like, threw a bottle and broke a window like at one of the adjacent places and they almost had to shut it down. Uh, but you know, they ended up kind of doing well with it and took it as long as they could. Uh, I think the final woodshop show, I think survivor's guilt, the band that I was in played, I want to say it was iron Sheik, slingshot Dakota and uh makeshift actually played the final woodshop show, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they kept it cool, man. It was an awesome thing. And it was really, uh, like I said, you know, sounds like I'm sitting here touting it to death, but it was an awesome place. I had a lot of great times, great memories there. Uh, got to see some awesome music. One of my favorite bands, Trophy Scars. Uh, we booked them to play there, so I got to see them. Uh, can't tell you how many times Iron Sheik played, and every single time it was incredible. Um, you know, just all around awesome. But, like, the 33-year-old in me is, like, this doesn't make any sense that you guys were able to pull this off. Like maybe if it was like a, a backyard show or a house show and there was 15, 20 kids showing up, but you're saying like you were getting, you know, in the, in the hundreds and oh yeah, you, when I you, think, when um, you get to numbers that big, you're like, wait, who was like the security there? Like what about like kids like underage drinking that you didn't know about? Or like, I mean, like someone you know, like moshes and breaks an arm or, and wants to sue you guys. Like all of those things start racing through my head. And it's like, how did you guys get away with this? And it just, it was just a good run. Like I said, the, the nice thing is that the people that came to these shows and the shows that we did for, were for the most part respectful. And I think a lot of it comes down to Jimmy being cognizant of the music that was booked too, because you know, there's some bands and types of music on Long Island that just bring people that are not respectful. Um, and we tried to keep those bands out of that venue. You know, for a while, we tried not to do any, like, only hardcore shows just because, and that's not to say that the hardcore scene is not respectful. It is, but, you know, that comes with a lot of frenetic moshing and all this kind of stuff where injuries could happen. And, you know, luckily, like, I don't think anything that I can remember ever happened there that was traumatic. Uh, I know someone like kicked through a wall once and that was a whole thing. And <laughs> I mean, there were things that happened, but yeah, I mean, because just... it just, it sounds so like romantic and like, like <laughs> being able to be like, yeah, you know, it was just like a <clears throat> DIY venue. Like we wanted to give money to the bands and like, yeah. 
have a safe place for music. And in theory, it sounds beautiful. It sounds like Nirvana, but it just like yeah. it 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 never ends up like panning out that way. And there's yeah, always yeah. something that happens that like yep. just puts a damper on it. And it's crazy that three years went by, you guys pulled it off and yep. no major incidents. And it, it's just yeah. it's cool. And not only no major incidents, but like a lot of shows happened there. And I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, maybe 10 or 15 shows. Like there were probably over those three years, probably at least 80, 90 shows. And like I said, I mean, there were, you know, there were big shows. I think that one Foxing show, I think the way it happened, if I'm not mistaken, was I believe they were touring as a, like direct support for someone. And um, my other buddy, Tom Brown, used to run a... Uh, a like a, a label and booking collective called table three media. And they had a, a very good relationship with, with the band Foxing. So I think it was he and Jimmy collectively, and it may have been a couple of other people that reached out to the guys. And I think they had played a matinee show um, during the day. And they were like, Hey, uh, super cool idea. Um, you know, we're thinking of doing like this secret show. If you guys want to play, you know, we're only going to charge five bucks for it. We're going to gorilla market it. And, uh, whatever we make, you know, you guys can take. And I, like I said, man, they put almost 200 people in that room. And, uh, when with the punches played, um, you know, big, uh, you know, big, uh, pop punk band who I'm sure you're familiar with. If you're not, you should check them out. But, uh, they played and they put, uh, probably about 150, 175 people in that room. And trust me, that room with that many people is, uh, is like bursting at the seams. And, oh yeah, I mean, there was, and trust me, it was hot and sweaty and disgusting. Um, and, uh, you know, the walls would get sweaty and gross. And I mean, like it was your typical, like if you would walk in there when there was more than a hundred people in there, like there was no chance you were, you were, you know, I mean, if COVID was around then, I mean, we all would have got it now. (laughs) I know a couple of years ago, the wonder years did like a non-traditional tour where they played like in really unique places. And I know that one of the shows they played was on long Island and they like, set up a wrestling ring and like had also like independent wrestling going on. I heard about that. I don't remember where it was. So I'm guessing Um, it wasn't at the wood shop. No, I don't believe it was at the wood shop. And I I mean, I could be wrong. I don't recall the wonder years ever playing there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not striking a chord with me, but I, I remember that scenario, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, the Wonder Years, like I said, the, my only memory of the Wonder Years is when they were little, little itty bitty babies. And, uh, you know, I booked them at the East Islip Lanes and they played with uh, the Progress, who were uh, Evan from Intuit over its first band. And uh, that was just crazy. I think there was like 15 people there, you know, That's and I mean, wild. It just 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 the same, man. I, I booked but, a show with Just Surrender in Valencia. And no one came. So crazy, man. Long Island's a crazy place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Just Surrender in Valencia. That's awesome. But like. The early Wonder Years stuff was mm-hmm. wasn't the greatest. Agreed. So I could see that, especially you know yeah. all those years ago. But Tom, yeah. let's wrap this up. Do your <laughs> thing, and then I just want to do a little spiel about Hot Mike because I've been having so much freaking fun on that. Yeah, cool. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys listening. I know we kind of went off on a tangent here, but not could talk about music and Long Island and all the things that I love forever. But um, you know bardownbreakdown.com we've got all of our episodes again we are uh, now a proud part of the hockey podcast network and uh you can still catch us on all of your favorite places to get your podcasts uh you know your google stitcher spotify all those cool places 
again, obviously, you know, we're paring it down a little bit, you know, we're releasing just, you know, one episode a week on Tuesday, but, um, we're still going to put out awesome content for you guys. Of course, follow our, uh, our awesome playlist on Spotify. You have the links to get there from our Instagram, uh, at bar down breakdown on Instagram and a Twitter BDBD podcast there. So follow us and kind of chill with us, man. This is what we love to do. And we love to hear from you. Um, and, uh, you know, subscribe so you don't miss any content. We've got some cool stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks and, uh, you know, we're excited for the rest of the hockey playoffs. Uh, and again, you know, didn't mention it before, but you know, as the MLB keeps having problems with COVID NHL does not. So, you know, keep that in the back of your minds and understand that hockey should be, uh, the number one sport. And that's all I got to say about that. Mikey, um, has been doing hot Mike, which has been super awesome. I've been following him doing that. He's been having some awesome guests. So. Uh, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more about that and then we can uh, say goodnight. Yeah, so I feel like I'm a pro at this point on Hot Mike and I've done, I think, six games so far and uh, really cool. The other night I had a chance to get on Hot Mike with Zach from Sleep On It and Bryce from the Spill Canvas and we watched the Blackhawks Oilers game together and like just being able to watch that game and have like no skin in the game at all and just watch their like heartbreak and then like their triumphs and it was just like so refreshing to watch and it's just so funny like you know the Blackhawks are on the power play and they're doing the shoot 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 and it's just like you know what fan bases aren't that different like we are all the same we all like have our scapegoat on our on our team that we like to blame every terrible play on. And it was just so funny to just be like a third party in, in that situation. So like plan on doing a bunch more of that kind of stuff throughout the playoffs. And, you know, hot Mike is definitely an up and coming app. And I swear in the next couple of months, if not like even sooner, it's going to be in every sport lover's life. And it's basically if you could just like picture Twitch, but for sports and it has the capability where you can, as a, as a viewer using the app, sync your stream, like however you're watching the game to the broadcaster's stream so that we are in real time watching exactly the same thing on our TVs. And that just makes for like really fun goal celebrations or like really just great interactions and and re- and reactions so definitely check out hot Mike. download it in your app store you know whether it's apple or google and enter the invite code bar down breakdown and just come watch some hockey with us it's tons of fun uh hopefully the islanders don't have any more noon games because those are brutal yeah and uh hopefully we're back to like normal puck drop starting at like seven now that we are into the first round, well, almost into the first round. So we'll see with the schedule, but I, I plan on getting some more special guests to watch games with us and just try to watch as much hockey as possible while we can, because this is, this is awesome. So far I give it an a plus the return to hockey. And I think you should tune in and watch hockey with us. Cause it's tons of fun. Just, you won't watch it with Tom cause he doesn't have a camera. No, I don't, but I might be getting one. So we'll see how that goes. But Dude, they can't be more guys. than like 15, 20 bucks at this point. 
Yeah, you're probably right. And maybe I'll get one and maybe I'll just pop in and, and, and join you guys on one. We'll see what happens. I can't promise anything, but who knows? I mean, you know, stranger things have happened in this world. Guys, we love y'all. We appreciate you being with us. We thank you for your support. And we're looking forward to uh, the next episodes and the cool content we got coming up. So on that note, Mikey. All right, Tom. Peace be with you. fans i'm breezy and i'm ray ray we host the house of hockey podcast on the hockey podcast network we're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle our guests include professional hockey players my rookie party had to wear speedo and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do here we go gaber what do you got to say and it's kind of <laughs> like you know better than that now boys i got dressed for the bruins you get a phone call he's like dude we need you over here by the elevator you got to get downstairs you got to get dressed right now started playing the like dun, 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 and i turned it around and it had the olympic rings and said we did it nhl team hockey reporters i actually took the stanley cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and i've got a fur coat on <laughs> i wonder who who he should checked over here <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.